Hi there, welcome to episode 64 of Paranormal Blip. Now, I am a quiet one today because I am on holiday in Elephanesia in Crete and all around me people are sleeping, so I've got to be really quiet. So, uh, lots and lots to cover and this is a fallout episode. It is a special episode because I don't have my laptop with me. So I'm going to be doing the voices. (laughs) So let's begin with, I mean, there's there's so much to to look at in the last couple of, uh, since Wednesday, it's it's now Tuesday, so it's been Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, yes. So not quite a week uh, since the extraordinary revelations under oath which is a very, very important part of this, um, from Grush, Graves and Favour, and in particular from um, Grush, of course. So the big news is Kirkpatrick's statement that he released in, uh, on Thursday, I think it was, to LinkedIn. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, the Department of Defence are not commenting, and it doesn't seem as if they're going to sanction him. Um, which seems extraordinary, that somebody can make a personal statement. Uh, he doesn't have the um, workforce of Arrow supporting this statement, and he didn't release it through Arrow, and he didn't release it through the Department of Defence. But Susan Go or Goff, as I like to call her, because I think that's actually how you pronounce her name, but I could be wrong. Because um, remember Michael Goff? Yeah, Batman. She said that, you know, I'm not going to comment on it, seems to me that that's a kind of, you know, nod and a wink to say, basically, we approve, but we can't do this uh, officially. So he's unofficially and kind of extraordinarily, like, put out a statement on his own LinkedIn. (laughs) Anyway, here's the statement. Hearings and transparency. Sean M. Kirkpatrick, PhD. Let me begin by saying the following are my own personal observations and opinions, which do not necessarily represent official DOD or IC positions. IC is intelligence community. Yesterday, the Subcommittee on National Security, the Border and Foreign Affairs held an open hearing on UAP during a government cover-up on extraterrestrials was alleged sorry, during which a government cover-up of extraterrestrials was alleged. Just to say, Sean, if I can call you Sean, um, I'm not sure anybody actually said extraterrestrials in terms of the witnesses. I'm not sure. I might be wrong, but I don't think any any of the three witnesses said extraterrestrial. Uh, Nevertheless, I wholeheartedly applaud congressional efforts to get to the truth about what UAP are and the risks to both pilot safety and national security. I am also absolutely committed to transparency on both the historical mission and the operational mission. And just to say on that as well, jumping in, um, Robert Sellers may have a bone to pick with you about that because he's been told that basically, although he's been given uh, given evidence about the Maelstrom uh, event, 
the UAP event in the 60s that he was, you know, kind of overseeing the, the base. You know, they're not looking into that at all. So that's interesting. Anyway, back to the old uh, LinkedIn thing here. As the director of Arrow's amazingly talented, devoted and highly motivated team, however, I cannot let yesterday's hearings pass without showing how insulting it was to the officers of the Department of Defence Intelligence Community who chose to join Arrow, many with not unreasonable anxieties about the career risks this would entail, that have been working diligently, tirelessly, and often in the face of harassment and animis animin and animis animosity <laughs> and animosity <laughs> I got there in the end, didn't I? to satisfy their congressionally mandated mission. They are truth seekers, as am I, but you certainly would not get that impression from yesterday's hearing. Arrow was established by law to investigate the allegations and assertions presented in yesterday's hearing. Allegations by, by its witnesses of retaliation, to include physical assault and hints of murder, are extraordinarily serious, which is why law enforcement is a critical member of the Arrow team, specifically to address and take swift action should anyone come forward with such claims. Yet contrary to assertions made in the hearing, the central source of those allegations, i.e. Grush, and that's my, you know, little bit of telling the audience who the central source is, has refused to speak with Arrow. Now that is a very contentious thing to say, just to jump in there, Sean. Because in, in the hearing, Grush said that he spoke to Kirkpatrick uh, a couple of months before Kirkpatrick took over Arrow. And um, as far as I'm, like the last that I can remember him saying anything about it was that, you know, he's got, got basically he's got the information, he's got the details of how he can get in contact with your man, Grush, and Grush is, you know, wants it, um, obviously, Grush wants this investigated, do you know what I mean? Like he's like whistleblowed for a reason, you know what I mean? So it's very, very contentious um, sentence that, um, that the central, uh, you know, witness, Grush, he doesn't name Grush, he just calls him the, um, the central witness there, um, has refused to speak to Arrow. That's really interesting. Uh, the central source of those allegations has refused to speak with Arrow. That's a massively contentious thing to write. Furthermore, some information reportedly provided to Congress has not been provided to Arrow, raising additional questions about the true commitment to transparency by some congressional elements. Again, I mean, this is extraordinary stuff. I mean, this is a government, you know, the director of Arrow here. Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely extraordinary, like, to make this... It, there's, clearly, there's a battle. And part of the battle is like kind of working out what to make public and what to keep private, you know. I, I cannot see the, uh, the, the benefit that this has in terms of the public understanding of Arrow's role by making a statement like this. I just can't see it. There might be other things that I'm not familiar with, um, you know, publicly and certainly kind of privately. 
but in terms of the kind of public response to this, you know, as you can imagine, people are up in arms, up in arms. Anyway, let's go back. The subcommittee, whose questions and oversight duties are irreproachable and in genuinely in genuine need of answers, has never asked our for an update on the reporting system, the historical review, the operations, and the S&T strategy that um, Arrow leads and is undertaking. Um, what's S&T? Is that like strategy and tactics, I suppose? But strategy, strategy? Maybe it's something else. Um, a rational person watching the hearing might reasonably assume that both the witnesses and the members had an understanding of the departments and the IC's progress since the establishment of ARA around this time last year, only naturally leading them to conclude that ARA has been ineffective, non-transparent and delinquent in its legislative mission. ARA briefs the De Defence and Intel Committees regularly, and since the last NDAA, the Homeland Defence, S&T, oh, Security and... What the hell is S&T? Anyway, and several other committees as well. I'm deeply disappointed at the degeneration of Harrow's dedicated men and women, hailing from the Department of Defence, Intelligent Community and Civil Partners, who are pouring their hearts out working this issue on the behalf of Congress. Do us a favour. I mean, this is really badly written. You may have a PhD, pal, but you can't... You can't string your sentences together very well, can you? Arrow, that's my, that's obviously not quoting. <laughs> Arrow has the authorities and resources necessary to execute this mission, to meet congressional intent. And as we've stated before, Arrow welcomes anyone with knowledge of any of these allegations or programs to talk to us in a safe, secure and appropriately cleared environment. Rest assured... Arrow will follow the data wherever it leads, rest assured. <laughs> Finally, to be clear, Arrow has yet to find any credible evidence to support the allegations of any reverse engineering program for non-human technology. Also, to be clear, none of the whistleblowers from yesterday's hearing ever, ever worked for Arrow or was ever a representative to Arrow contrary to statements made in testimony and in the media. Okay, so that's very interesting. Um, what to say about that then? Basically, this is, uh, on, on, you know, as a kind of document, it is extraordinary that this guy has done this in this way and he's not going to be sanctioned by the Department of Defence. That in itself is extraordinary. Of course you know, Grush is going to receive pushback and this kind of pushback. So it's not surprising and it's not particularly shocking. Um, it is interesting that Kirkpatrick, you know, we, we must remember now, Arrow doesn't have a website. Arrow doesn't have any kind of like telephone number, email address, the Twitter account for Arrow has sent one tweet when they first launched it in like two, when was it, 2022 at some point. Um, and so it, it's not as if they're easily contactable, okay? 
Now, of course, there probably are ways, if you are like absolutely committed to getting in contact with Arrow, there probably are ways of doing it which wouldn't be that difficult. But at the same time, they're not making it that easy. So the first tweet, and the only two tweets, was on the 20th of July. Okay? Two tweets. Second one was a, like a welcome to the official Twitter account. Uh, sorry, the first one was the welcome to the official Twitter account. Second one was, um, as we grow the office, begin building upon the previous efforts. Um, we will provide updates on our progress here. <laughs> so that was over a year ago. So a year of silence. And the guy has got the audacity to say, hold on a minute, what about all the amazing work we've done? Well, he did give that briefing during the NASA um, public meeting that was, when was that, about two months ago? And in that briefing, very interestingly, he said that there had been a Five Eyes meeting that um, I think Canada has confirmed that but everyone else is silent about it, and of course not a peep out of the UK. Um, but also he said that there are, you know, um, many uh, metallic spheres, and people suggested, well, how does he know they're metallic? But he sees, sees as many metallic spheres all around the world, um, and they don't know what they are, which was extraordinary thing for him to say. So, with um, Kirkpatrick, just before we move on to something else, Matt Laszlo, who I interviewed uh, about a month ago, is a fantastic interview with him. He is doing excellent work. Uh, he's on the hill every day interviewing Congress people, and one of the things that he's focusing on now, obviously, is UAPs. And he spoke to um, Gillibrand, I think this was... Uh, the day of or the day before the hearing, but it was before the hearing, and it was before um, Kirkpatrick's, uh, you know, kind of intervention. And Gillibrand said, now, some people are saying, oh, well, you know, we don't know if it's still going to happen. There's no reason for me to think that she still doesn't want this to happen. Gillibrand says that she wants to meet with Grash, and she wants to meet with Kirkpatrick, and she wants both of them to meet as well, which would be really, really interesting if Gillibrand is this kind of person that can put these two together. Now, we must remember that quite a lot of this information is in terms of what Grush has said at the, at the oversight hearing was known to um, some of the... Congress people and senators beforehand, depending on what uh, committee they sit on. But he had been speaking to people, to Congress people, but also their staff, before he um, spoke to the world on, on Wednesday. Um, so now, another thing just to mention is uh, Burchett did an interview where he said that he had six people lined up but three of them dropped out for de various different reasons. Um, he implied, if not publicly, like kind of said it straight out, 
that they were being leaned on. You know, they received telephone calls, or for whatever reason, they didn't want to go ahead with it. And a number of journalists, including uh, Ross Coulthard, has said that there are some people he knows that, he's work- that are working directly in the program, as it's known, um, who want to speak out. And they're quite close to coming forward and, you know, becoming public. And they're just looking at how Grush is treated. So it's really important that we kind of remember that, you know. And they're quite happy with the with the seriousness with which, um, you know, the uh, people on that subcommittee were were speaking to Grush and the kind of the respect that all of the witnesses received. Um, you know, but at the same time, this is a... Uh, you know, nothing is inevitable, you know. We hope and expect that there will be other um, hearings with other committees quite soon um, in the next couple of months. But it really does matter how people are treated. And it really does matter that people like Russia are protected. Um, Weaponized did an incredible episode today, which um, basically was like Macho Man teaming up with Hulk Hogan. It was unbelievable, you know. And here's Jimmy Suka in the corner here, not getting much action, but the big boys all got together. So it was a merging between weaponized George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell and um, the need-to-know dudes, Ross Coulthard and Bryce Sable. And they had an absolutely fascinating conversation Really, really interesting, and that's a kind of you know blockbuster, uh, must-less and episode of Weaponized, and um, you know they they were talking like, Ross was talking about how, you know he's having to kind of like, like judge the, you know what what his advice is in relation to whether whistleblowers should come forward or not, you know. And just on that as well, what Ross said about journalism is absolutely fantastic, like really, absolutely brilliant. And it's so good that him and Nap are in the game, you know? I mean, of course, like, you know, Nap is the the leader, isn't he? I mean, he's the... I, I call Andy the goat in terms of podcasting. Andy from that UFO podcast, but, I mean, you know, George really is the goat, isn't he? He's the goat of goats. Talking about goats, that we saw a goat in the tree the other day here in Crete. The mountain goats in Crete are something to, to behold, I tell you. This place where I am at, it's this, this uh, little, um, it's a holiday resort, it's a seaside resort called Elefanisi. E-L-A-F-O-N-I-S-I, if you want to look it up, is in Crete. And it's famous for its pink sand. And it's interesting, I was looking at the pink sand today, I haven't been here for about 10, 11 years. And a lot's changed in my life. I've got a son, and my father passed away, and I had a pacemaker put in. So like, lots and lots of changes in that last since the last time I was here. And um, I was walking down the down the like, sandy beach, 
looking at the beautiful waves. It's absolutely beautiful conditions here in Elephanisi. And I was looking at the pink sand, and it's, it's interesting because the place has grown like massively in those 10 or 11 years since I was last here. There's two huge great big car parks, this new kind of large hotel that we're staying in, and it used to be that there were a couple of tourist buses would come from Hania, which is the biggest city in Crete, and they do like the hour and a half journey along the you know, hairpin roads in the mountains and the dogleg roads in the mountains, the dogleg corners. There's more doglegs than Battersea on that road, I tell you. It's like unbelievable. Um, very treacherous. Not just treacherous, but very treacherous. And anyway, um, you know, thousands of people come in. It used to be that people would arrive at 10 o'clock with the buses and, and leave at 4. But now they've built car parks, so people are driving here, and by 10 o'clock all of the sunbeds are, um, you know, full. There's probably about a thousand sunbeds. And then, you know, the people are still there by, you know, half past six, seven o'clock. You know, thousands of people are still there by half past six, seven o'clock. So it has changed. But one of the interesting things is that the pink um, sand is still there. Now, it's an area of specific natural interest, okay? So there are particular rules in terms of the development of the beach, yep? They're not, there's not like bars and there's no buildings on the beach. Everything are, is kind of like temporary constructed stuff. Um, there are, you know, places where you can get food, but there's no kind of actual, you know, permanent buildings on the beach. And um, there, there are signs everywhere saying, you have to respect this place. Do not bring the sand home. And your first reaction, when you see it first, we had the reaction when we saw it first years ago, my partner and I, thinking, oh my God, this would look nice at home, you know. And then we think, oh no, we can't take it home because of the signs say, don't take it home. Now, even though there's thousands of people that visit, and it's been, they've been like that for years and years, um, the sand is still there. Yeah? And it made me think, isn't this interesting? Because you can, it's not the same filming it. I filmed it briefly on this Twitter thing that I did advertising this um, episode, like a 12 second clip. Um, but it's not, you can obviously, it's totally different if you film it than if you actually see it in the environment, you know, in situ. And you can touch it, but you can't take it with you, you know. So it's this fleeting moment when even if you have it in your hands, you know that soon it will just be a memory, you know. It's intangible and it's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary place. It's by far the best beach I've ever been to, and I haven't been to, like, you know, exclusive beaches by any means. And this place is, you know, anyone can get to this place. It's a free place to come. But, um, yeah, there's something really dreamlike and extraordinary about this um, experience of being here at Elephanese. 
Um, so anyway, back to the UAPs <laughs> and the paranormal. Um, I thought, by, speaking about Andy, by the way, he'd done a couple of uh, television and radio appearances this last uh, week or so. And he was absolutely brilliant. Nicky Campbell, mate, thank you so much, Nicky. Like, this guy's been doing it for years, donkey's years, you know. He's been, uh, did his first radio in 1982, yeah. So, you know, talk about old G. He's been around the block and then some, Nicky. And he's still professional, open-minded, fair, inquisitive, curious, curious, ask great questions, respectful. So Nicky Campbell did a phone-in, um, I think it was Thursday, probably was Thursday, the day after um, the, um, the, the hearing. And Andy from that UFO podcast was one of the three guests. The two other guests were really, really good, but they were coming from a kind of, you know, astrobiology point of view, really. And, um, yeah, Andy, like, knocked it out of the park, as you'd expect. He's, like, very, very good. He's like the, um... Who's he like? He's kind of like the Michael Parkinson of podcasting, isn't he? Yeah. A bit like, um... But, but he's funnier than Michael Parkinson, who really wasn't funny. But he's also better than... Um, and also funnier than uh, Jonathan Ross, isn't it? It's very difficult to... I'm more like the, um, the Dame Edna. <laughs> I bloody wish. I wish I was the Dame Edna of podcasting. Anyway, um, yeah, but I just want to put it out there. Also, another thing as well, which is really interesting, is that Ross uh, Coulthard, at some point in the week, I can't remember what interview... But it's, oh, I, I remember, it was the, um, I think it was the special that he did with uh, Seven News in Australia. It might have been the We Are Not Alone special that was on uh, Sunday night on News Nation. can't remember, it was one of those two. He's been around a lot, Mr. Coulthard. And anyway, he, at some point he said that Trump knows, he's, he knows that Trump has been briefed on Roswell and he suspects, very strongly suspects, that um, Obama has been kind of given the lowdown as well in terms of UAPs. Um, Yeah, so there we go. A very interesting week. Um, Lots of great media coverage. Uh, A bit of cut through in terms of uh, DC sent out a tweet, Petter sent out a tweet, um, someone else as well, I can't quite remember who else it was, but uh, a couple of, you know, kind of getting into the culture, apparently it's all on TikTok, but I don't, I'm not interested in TikTok, first of all for that, so you're yeah, really interesting, I mean what can we expect in the next couple of weeks, well hopefully there will be you know, further hearings. Hopefully there will be a whistleblower that, you know, has, um, that's the works in the programme that comes out. Um, but, you know, one thing just to leave you with is I am more certain now than ever before. I mean, I've kind of always known it, you know. If you listen back to all of the episodes... You know, there's this kind of certainty that I have because a friend of mine 
it has these extraordinary experiences happen to her. Um, so, you know, I trust her, like, totally. So when you know people like that, you don't really need to kind of know anything else, really. You know, you don't need the government to tell you that it's happening. You don't need a whistleblower to tell you that it's happening. You kind of know that it's happening because you trust the people around you, you know. So, you know, having said that, obviously, uh, it kind of helps for the kind of general public to start to assimilate the idea that we are not alone. There is an intelligence, a non-human intelligence, that has uh, some um, kind of contact, that has established some kind of contact with uh, you know, us, with, with humans. I mean, the Tic Tac um, event, as an example, is a kind of contact, yeah? Now, you know, let alone the, you know, ma massive amounts of data in the form of testimony for, you know, people that have had contact, like actual, you know, contact experiences. Um, yeah, so it's really, really interesting. And it's never been more alive, you know. Anyway, episode 40, episode, sorry, 65 will be quite soon. I've got a going to speak to a guest um, the middle of next week, which I'm really really excited about. He is a like an absolute leader in this field of UFO research and UFO podcasting, and um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to speaking to him. I'll probably do an episode before that when I get back to Britain, because I'm sure by that time. You know, within the week, there'll be some other um, movers and shakers. In the meantime, you know, take care of yourselves and see you later.